I'm Alison Twycross and I'm editor of Evidence-Based Nursing and I'm delighted to be recording this podcast looking at self-harm within inpatient psychiatric services. And the person on the podcast with me today is Peter Mills. Peter, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Peter Mills. I'm a psychologist and I work uh, for the Veterans Affairs Medical Centers uh, in the U.S. My office is located uh, in Vermont in New England, uh, in, in the U.S. I've worked, been working for the VA for about 19 years. Okay, so thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. The paper we're discussing focuses on self-harm in inpatient psychiatric services within the UK, and I wondered if, before we discuss the paper specifically, if you could provide us with some information about the instance of self-harm within the general population? Sure, I'd be happy to. Suicide uh, is the tenth leading cause of death in the U.S., uh, and it results, just to give you a little bit of a, of a sense of it, resulting in deaths of over 34,000 people each year. And if you drill down a little further, looking at the 2007 data, you have uh, almost 166,000 people that were hospitalized for self-harm, and another almost 400,000 people treated for self-harm in emergency departments. When you look at inpatient self-harm, the APA in America said that there was about 1,500 inpatient completed suicides within hospitals in the U.S. each year. To give you a sense of that, there's quite a bit more self-harm. And when you look at self-harm or parasuicide, there's ranges, a lot of different studies on it, but the incidence of parasuicide ranges from as low as about 2.6 to as high as about 1,100 per 100,000 people per year. And the lifetime incidence of parasuicide has been estimated from between 720 to almost 6,000 incidents per 100,000 people over a lifetime. It's more likely to occur, parasuicide or self-harm is more likely to occur in younger people and women. Other risk factors include being single or divorced, unemployed, uh, recent change in living conditions, mental illness, ill health, and of course a history of previous parasuicide. Substance abuse, especially alcohol, is highly associated also with self-harm. Okay, those are very interesting facts and it's cl clearly an important issue. So if we move on to look at the, the paper we're discussing today, which as I said earlier focused on the instance of self-harm among people who were inpatients within UK psychiatric hospitals. Now, in your commentary, you say this is the first study to explore this. I think the self-harm rather than the, um, the suicide side of it. Right. Why do you think this is an important issue to, to explore in research studies? Well, it's a really an important study because the authors are differentiating between self-harm and attempted suicide and consider the characteristics of self-harm that do not represent an attempt or intent to die. So while other studies have looked at inpatient suicide attempts and completions, this is really the first to focus solely on inpatient self-harm in a national healthcare system. So self-harm or parasuicide, the topic itself has been a subject of research since the mid-70s. Uh, as the authors uh, pointed out, non-suicidal self-harm is often seen as manipulative or attention-seeking by staff. And this perception can really lead staff to have a negative attitude towards people who self-harm. 
And in fact, one of the primary foci of the most, most empirically supported treatment for self-harm, which is dialectical behavior therapy, or DBT, originated by Marshall Linehan, that one of the primary focuses of DBT is helping therapists to remain empathic and supportive of their patients. It's helpful, therefore, that the current study finds that most self-harm occurs in private with little or no attempt to influence or manipulate others. That's a really important finding. Are there any other key findings of the research? Yeah, this study really makes several important points, I think. Most patients in inpatient inpatient psychiatric care conduct uh, self-harm behaviors in private, as I said before, which is uh, is an interesting finding. The method of self-harm is also associated with the level of privacy and may be motivated by different goals, such as alleviation of dissociative states or just distraction from painful emotions. Uh, In addition, they said that forensic units had higher rates of self-harm that were also more public and maybe a little bit more manipulative in nature. Women also had three times more episodes of self-harm than men, and men used methods that were more open and more aggressive. I find the fact that it often takes place in private, particularly I think with women, is quite interesting. It's a long time since I worked on a psychiatric ward, but I, I don't know how much privacy people get, but they obviously get some. It is interesting. The place where people self-harm the most from our research uh, here in the VA is in bathrooms and in bedrooms. They really find those spaces where they have a little free time, where they're away from the the staff, maybe away from other patients. That's where they they self-harm the most. Okay. So then what are the implications for practice of these findings? Well, I think that focusing on the method, antecedents, and level of openness of self-harm can inform clinicians and researchers about the possible motivators and goals of the behavior, uh, the self-harm behavior, that is, and Mm -hmm. lead to a more clear understanding of possible interventions. So it's not just a um, manipulation, and it's not perhaps an attempt to kill oneself, but there are other motivators as well, as I said before. Perhaps it's just a way to alleviate pain, to distract oneself, to kind of bring oneself back from a dissociative state. So those are important clinical issues uh, that are important to practice. And the majority of self-harm does not appear to represent an attempt to manipulate others or gain attention. Rather, it's it's really more of a private act, and uh, there are likely other internal motivations. So those are all important clinical issues. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that it's not usually a manipulative act is what leapt out to me. And I think that probably links the, the, the reasons people are doing it, perhaps links to why people in the general population self-harm. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I think that um, people who, if you're hurting yourself, but you don't necessarily want to kill yourself, folks don't understand, well, if you, if, if you don't want to kill yourself, why do you want to do it? It must be to manipulate the staff or some yeah. other thing. But that's not always the case. There are other internal kinds of reasons that people self-harm, I think. For some people, it can be a way of actually grounding themselves if they're dissociating and out of touch and feel very disconnected from their bodies. It can bring them back in and even have something of a soothing effect. Yeah, it's a slightly bizarre phenomenon to understand, I think. it's. Um, but I, I, do th- I do think this paper kind of really helps move things forward. So what further research do you think is needed in this area? Research has been going on since the 70s, but I think more is needed. It's more is needed to determine the most effective interventions for different types of self-harm in the inpatient setting, especially targeted interventions for specific types of self-harm. 
maybe a much more effective methodology for treating folks as opposed to kind of a one-size-fits-all treatment. Uh, so I think, I think uh, those kinds of treatment research studies would be very helpful. Okay, now one, one last question. If the people listening to this podcast take one thing away, what would you like that to be? Um, well, good question. I think while it makes sense that staff may feel manipulated by patients who self-harm, it's important to find the true reasons for the behavior to help, and to help patients find other methods of meeting their needs besides self-harm. So to really think about it, they're doing this self-harm for a reason. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's probably some kind of way to solve some type of a problem. Can I help them to find other ways to, to solve that problem that are less harmful to them? Okay, thank you. And thank you so much for taking part in the podcast today. My pleasure. I'd just like to um, say to people who are listening to this podcast, but if you'd like to discuss the issue further, why don't you take part in the EBN Journal Club in June? Uh, further details of how to participate will be on our website shortly. So please do take the opportunity to A, listen to this podcast and B, join in the EBN Journal Club. Thank you very much. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.